When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What if I told you that every single person we're ever attracted to, the reason we're attracted is because they're our trauma partner. Would that intrigue you? Would you want to know why that is? Welcome to the Heal the Herd podcast. Remember when we were kids and we believed that anything was possible? We were going to be the first man or woman to do something really great. But then something happened. Something got in the way of living the life of greatness we know we were meant for. Well, it's now your turn to become the greatest version of yourself. And to achieve that, we will heal the hurt. Okay, so to start with, I know that sounds a little scary. Like, what? There's no way. I can't. Why would I ever be attracted to somebody that I'm going to experience pain with? Well, the first thing I want to say is this is not an opinion. This is fact. And I'm going to prove it to you because I know that's the first stage in this is like, wait a minute. Then no one's ever talked about it. No one's ever said this. I thought love is the opposite of this. And all the information, the answer is actually in the opposite. What we've all been told is wrong. It's not true. And so the first thing I have to do is whenever new information comes up, people are like, whoa, they don't want to believe it. Denial kicks in. It's a natural defense mechanism of, well, that means my worldview has been wrong and I don't want to admit that. So we pull back from that truth. So that's the first thing is I, I have to give you some proof of it. Okay. So to do that, the first thing I'm going to show you is studies. There's something called the Adverse Childhood Experience Study. It's a landmark study that was done uh, by the CDC and uh, Kaiser Permanente. And it's been repeated many times. The outcomes are the same in every time they've done it. And it, it was the most prolific childhood experience study. And what it showed is that nearly 70% of the audience, you watching right now, two out of three people, have been through massive childhood trauma. All right, they asked a series of 10 questions with a bunch of sub-questions, but in 10 areas. Now, I'm not, I've talked about that study in the past. Go look it up, Adverse Childhood Experience. And then you can, you can ask yourself the questions, and you're going to see immediately, oh, my God, I went through a lot of childhood trauma. Now, these are very basic questions, okay? You know, typical things we'd see as less than perfect parenting, but they didn't go far enough. There are two more questions, and these two questions prove, even if you look at that list and you're like, well, I'm one of the 30%, this doesn't prove, you know, this doesn't mean I went through trauma, and so I can't be looking for my trauma partner. Well, I have two questions for you that are not on that, that prove that you, we have all been through horrific childhood trauma. The first question is this, when you were a child and you felt angry, sad, or scared at anything your parents did or said, in that moment, could you have a discussion with them? Could you speak your truth? Well, no. What did they do? 
get in your room. I don't want to hear about it. They shut you down. Okay? The second question, I'll tell you why that's important in a second. The second question is this. Do you have any type of secret from your parents? Anything you believe, anything you've said or done that you don't want them to know? Well, all of us do. Now, what do those two questions show? Well, they show that we lost the two things that we need to survive on this planet. Okay, it's a, there's two requirements we have. The first is this, attachment. We will literally die if we don't physically and emotionally attach to another human being. And so look at what the first question shows. If I speak my truth, if I am who I'm meant to be in this world and share my thoughts and opinions, what could I lose? Attachment. What's the second question show? If my parents truly knew who I really was, what I really thought and believed, and all my perfect imperfections, if I told them I know inherently they'll reject me, and so I keep it a secret. Well, that's massive abandonment. Think of that. I, the people I'm supposed to be the closest to, I can't share who I truly am. That's heartbreaking. Like, let that sit in. The truth of that of, oh my God, my parents don't even know who I am. And it's not safe for them to know who I am. The second need we have is our authenticity. And that's what that first question shows. I can't be authentic. I can't share my thoughts and feelings. And so I have to pull back who I am. And so we learn in that moment to develop. So it, it, you can use different ways. Like we're born a person. And that, those two questions create personalities. In other words, we become something to get our parents' attachment. And, and so this isn't who we really are. And so this is trauma. These are all trauma personas. That's another way of saying it. Or maladaptive coping skills. So all of us are living in our trauma. We're not living in our authenticity in the person we're meant to be. So that's the first piece. We're all trauma-based creatures. Now let's get to the science of it because it's, you know, even though there you can probably go, oh, well, you can, your denial can push it away. Well, when you do the research on how neuroscience works and how our brain and body, what happens when we go through trauma, it actually creates a neurochemical addiction in the brain and body. We become addicted to repeating the feelings of trauma over and over and over, okay? Now, I don't have time to go into how that sets up. That's all of that whole process, like the science behind everything I just explained, the studies and everything that prove the neurochemical connections and how our brain, our body work, it's all here in my book. So you can pick up a copy of your journey to success and I walk you through it. And, and it leads you into the, you know, other studies and everything that show the proof of how our brain and body work and how we get addicted to reliving our trauma. And my book shows you how to break that addiction how to, you know, exercise out that trauma, okay? So all of us, one, have been through trauma. And then because of the way our brain and bodies are designed and no one teaches what I teach of how to break that emotional trauma bond, all of us are stuck reliving it. Think of it this way. I use this example in the book. Whether you've, you know, some of you may live in places where you can't sled, but think of three feet of snow have, has fallen overnight and you go to the top of the hill and you sled down it and you that, do that, you know, two or three times and all of a sudden you've compacted the snow. And so if you wanted to turn out of it, 
You can't. There are walls on each side. Well, that's literally how all of us are living our lives. We are stuck in that. So what my book and everything teaches is, you know, we get stuck on this neurochemical loop going down that same sled, picking the same people, reliving the exact same trauma over and over. And so what my book and my coaching and everything shows people, you know, all the steps you're taking that put you in the position to go right down here. And, and once you become aware of that, you learn new steps and then you get to the top of the hill, you step to the left and you carve a whole new neural pathway that no longer keeps you repeating the trauma. That's basically the work I do with clients, okay? So there's the science of it. Now you understand all of us, like all of us, are in massive, massive trauma, okay? Not just some of us. The wealthy, the wealthy in most cases are the most traumatized because that's an adapted coping mechanism to fill the void of how much pain they're in, okay? From the poor to the wealthy, nobody's immune from this, okay? So that's the first thing to realize is we have to drop this idea that, oh my God, they've got to figure it out. Nobody does. Unless you've done this work, you're all, we are all as a society in massive, massive trauma, okay? And we're chemically emotionally, and our brain and body is addicted to it, okay? So now, to show you how this plays out, I could use stories from my clients, but this to show how this works, I have to be deeply personal. And so I'm going to use stories from my life so you can see how this loop plays out. And then when you do the work, what changes come from it, okay? So the first thing you have to realize is whenever you're attracted to somebody, the new thought needs to be, what are they trying to teach me about my pain and trauma that I haven't faced? See, I didn't know this. I didn't know the science and everything that I've discovered and how all this works, but that's all attraction is. Literally, when you're attracted to somebody, your brain and body, that sled, is sitting there going, oh my God, those butterflies and that electricity and you can't stop thinking about them. Literally, your brain and body is like, oh my God, this is the addiction. I get to relive the exact same chaos, confusion, frustration, hurt, anguish, the emptiness, all the miserable moments of my childhood with this person. Oh my God, they're perfect. That's literally, that's, the feeling, that's what love is in our culture. It's an addictive trauma bond. That's what's happening to all of us. That's the science behind it. That's not opinion. Like I can't get into layer by layer of the science. It's in the book, but I've given you a taste to show you exactly how it works. All right? So that's what you're experiencing. So the first thing to recognize is when you feel that, I'm not saying it's bad, but get into reality. The only reason I'm attracted to them is because they're going to show me me and my brokenness and the pain I haven't addressed. That's why when you're in dating sites and you're, you see somebody and they, you think they're hot and you read their profile and you're like, oh, he or she's attractive and oh, they seem smart and well, good career. Like they tick all the boxes, but what happens? You go, oh, they seem boring, 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 boring. Or you wonder why the hot guy is with the ugly girl or the ugly girls with the hot guy, whatever it is. And you're like, God, that's not even attractive. 
trauma bond. That's it. They walked in a room and went, ah, I get to relive my pain. Okay? So that's what's happening. All right? You're bored. Your brain and body isn't going to relive the chemical addiction, so this person is boring to you. Okay? Now, for me to figure this out, and the only way you can figure it out in your life is it's, it's not easy. You have to gut yourself. You have to become an expert in your childhood, the trauma you went through. You have to create a massive awareness of all the pain and dysfunction you went through. And then you have to use it as a mirror of, oh my God, how did I relive this in the relationship? Okay, so let's take my first marriage, all right? Well, actually, both of my marriages. My mother was an alcoholic, okay? And so my mother would be sober four to six weeks and then literally for seven to 10 days be in a walking coma. Well, all my life, she just, my, like my mother was great and then would disappear. Well, every woman I've ever been attracted to, I've ever pursued, out of nowhere, poof, would just leave me, just disappear. They'd literally just shut off. Like I could see it and feel it. Sometimes it was an immediate, they'd stop, you know, kind of early on you're dating and all of a sudden they just disappear. But definitely in both of my marriages, like as soon as I committed to my first wife, which was, we'd been dating about two weeks, we'd known each other a long time, but we decided to date and then we decided to get married. And the second we made that commitment, I literally saw and felt she just disappeared, completely disappeared. She at that point, she'd never had health problems. She developed health problems, which is a defense mechanism, because if you're sick and hurt, you can't attach to somebody. And so just like my mom, she became sick and hurt. So now I have to take care of her just like my mother. She's completely unavailable. All right. Now, also, I went through sexual abuse as a child. And so my first wife in, I went, I was so afraid of sex at that age I picked someone who, because of their own trauma history, couldn't have it. So in 10 years of marriage, we had 12 instances of intimacy. Intimacy would include kind words, physical touch, or any type of a sexual act. 12. When we got married, it was four months before we ever consummated the marriage. And the eight or, what was it, six or eight months before we got married, we weren't sexual at all. And so she was complete because of her own trauma history. I don't want to share what hers was, but she couldn't be sexual. But I was picking someone because, see, let me tell you about my mom. My mom adored me and your parents adore you too, but we don't teach this stuff and everybody's broken. So all we're doing is passing our trauma down because we haven't as a society talked about the things I talk about. We haven't faced them. And so my mom had gone through abuse as a child. Well, she hadn't healed it. Well, my mom did something that's called covert sexual abuse. She didn't like actually you know, have sex with me or anything like that. But the way my mom looked at me, my mom thought I was hot. Like she leered at me. She's like, Kenny. Like it was a sexual attraction to me. When she'd hug me, she'd push her groin into me. It was a sexualized. Now, there were times she was perfectly appropriate and all that. But there was also this dysfunctional. Sexual abuse. That's sexual abuse. All right. Your parents walk around naked because my mom would be drunk and my parents would have sex and, and, you know, my bedroom was right next to it. And she'd come out of the bedroom staggering, have a nightgown on 
and there'd be a wet spot. Like that's sexual abuse to expose that to your kids, you know? Um, and I'd walk in and my mom would be passed out naked on the floor. That's sexual abuse. Okay. So because of that, sex has always been an issue for me. And you're going to find out even more how much of an issue it's been for me. Now, the other thing in my childhood was I had an older brother who, because of my parents' dysfunction, wasn't loved well. And he took all his anger out on me because I was younger. All right. So he was very physically abusive. Well, my first wife was both physically and verbally abusive. And this is going to be tough to hear, but if you've been in a, a domestic abuse relationship, while I don't condone their behavior, you picked it. You went looking for it. You, I could put you in a room with 10,000 people, only one domestic abuse person in there, and like Radar, they'd be the only one you'd pick, just like me. Because you want to relive your trauma. You don't know it consciously, but until you heal it, you will do it, just like I did. And so I picked a woman who was both physically and verbally abusive, just like my brother. Just like my brother. And so here's another tie-in. I've, I've talked about this in other videos. My older brother was huge, massive. And he just hold me. He could literally hold me by my head and I was like a puppet. He could move me wherever he wanted because he was massive. I was completely frozen. Well, have you ever been hit by a woman completely frozen it's that sled I was stuck on the loop and again if you've been through domestic abuse my heart breaks for you but if you do this work you'll see oh my god I picked it I was attracted to it I'm half responsible for that you'll never find love and you'll continue to pick trauma partners until you clean that pain up we all do. So, first marriage ends. I clean up. I go to counseling. I start working on that. I learned how to say no. I had no voice. And so, all of a sudden, I'm no longer attractive to abusive women. You know, women who are abusive in that way. Still attracted to women who disappear. And still looking for the sexual. But in the first marriage, I picked no sex. In the second marriage, I picked nothing but sex. So let me talk about the disappearance part first. Now, this woman was just like my mother when my mother was sober. Like literally, if you're a man and you're listening to this and you could write out how to be treated perfectly by a woman, totally treated like a king, respected, affirmed, allowed to lead a woman and, and play the loving, powerful, strong man in a relationship... Um, without being, you know, passive, but you know, so many women these days, they're, they're so afraid they control everything. They, they don't trust anyone. And, and so they really emasculate men. That's the new dynamic. Women have become men. Um, they've lost their power and by men are just as equally to blame, but to be completely adored, like to, to, you know, you have something early in the morning and they just get up to make sure you're taken care of. Like that's just beautiful when a man or anyone does that. But I was completely treated like a king. And then the day we had to move in together a month before we got married because of leases and stuff. The day we moved in, the day commitment started, literally, 
I watched her because of my skill set. I can see and feel people. And I remember, I can still see her at the top of the stairs. My kids ran in and I watched her. I watched, I watched her love. I watched her personhood leave. And we spent, God, the first year of their marriage talking about it. Now, see, I made an improvement. I worked on some of the trauma. So I picked somebody who could actually have the discussion. My first wife couldn't. We went to five counselors. And every time they'd point the finger at her, she'd go, we need to fire him. She wouldn't deal with any of her stuff. So the second one was willing to have the conversation, but she hadn't worked through all of her trauma. So she could never get back into herself and make herself available. So do you see, I picked two women who could never love me, complete, who once I let everything out, they would disappear just like my mother. They're not to blame for that. I am. I'll get to that in a minute. All right. Now, what about on the sexual end? Well, and this is where I'm going to have to admit some things. I mean, I've admitted this stuff before, but for many of you, this will be new to you. But you have to be able to share how broken and dark you are. It's the answer. It's what, that's what everyone doesn't get. The answer's in the opposite. Until you can admit to yourself how broken and awful you are, you're never free and you're never capable of love. You can't give it. Because until I can admit how imperfect I am to myself first and then to you, how could I ever share that in a relationship? It's not possible. Because I've never accepted and loved every piece of myself even the bad part. So there's no possible way I could ever love you the way you deserve. That's the solution. You have to become an expert in your darkness. So, remember I've told this on other shows before. The day I met my wife, you know, you know I can read people instantly. I can look at dating profiles and I can tell you people's history. I don't, you, I don't, I, I, I can see it. I remember my second wife, she was working in Seattle and, she, and she'd come home for a couple of days and she showed me a text message and there were four words. I don't remember what the words were, but it was from some kid they had hired. I saw four words of his text message and I can't explain it, but I just see and feel things. I, just, I can just look at a text message, a couple of lines, and I will know a person. I will know, I, I just know, I see all of it. I see their pain. I see how they're going to, all of it. And as soon as I saw that, I went, oh my God, don't you ever turn your back from him. And she's like, what? He's the sweetest guy ever. I'm like, do it. I said, you know me. I, I understand. You don't always want to trust me and believe me that I'm right. But I'm telling you. Don't ever turn your back on it. Two weeks later, she called me bawling her eyes out. How did you know? Well, I don't know how I know. I just do. But as I said, the day I met her, standing outside, I turn and she's walking towards me and I get hit and step back and I go, oh my God, she's the devil. Now, you've heard me talk this week a lot. We can only see in other people what resides in us. I wasn't talking about my future wife although there's truth in that, I was talking about myself. I had never seen how, what a devil I am. I hadn't found that part of my brokenness. Because when you go through all the dysfunction I went through in childhood, there's a lot of darkness. That's a lot of pain. And as a society, we're taught to ignore it and cover over it. So I'm not a bad person, but you, you can't be blamed for something you weren't aware of. 
but we are responsible for learning about it. And I've been spending years trying to recover, trying to learn about the devil inside of me. Well, that's why I see now, that's why I picked her. It's so she could really show me how awful I was and how my trauma, not how awful I was, how the adapted personalities, I lost my person because I couldn't attach or be authentic as a child. And so my only survival mechanism was to come up manipulations and all these dark things to survive. And that's all of us. None of us are bad. We all have light. We are born with pure light, pure greatness. Our childhood strips us of it. And we have this darkness in us. And until we deal with that, we can't get back to our light and then share our light with others. And so we're picking these people, literally, all of our attraction, we're picking them and their darkness to scream back at us the light, the, the pain we need to face in ourselves. They're just a proxy showing us who we are and our brokenness. And so, like I said, she's the devil. Well, look at this. Remember I said about the sex stuff. Well, during our marriage, we had an open relationship. We were swingers. Now, I didn't know this when we were dating, but she had been an escort. When we met, she fell in love with me. She quit. Well, during the marriage, she went back to escorting. I knew about it. I was a full participant. And, and I have to admit this. That makes me a pimp. Think of that. Think of how evil. Talk about the devil. Yeah. Because of the sexual abuse, because the adapted persona I had to take, sex was confusing in the first, nothing. In the second, all. Do you see? There's no moderation. There's no love. I don't know what that looks like. I'm finding it. I'm using one to go, well, maybe if there's no sex, I'm okay. The second one, maybe if it's every kind of sex. And that was, I mean, let, I'll be honest. I mean, she was beautiful. And, and while she treated me well, we had an incredible sexual connection. Like it was all like anything you can think of, we did it. Well, again, dark and light, all or nothing. I'm trying to figure out my trauma history. I'm using both of these women as proxies, and that's what we all do. We use these people. I know that's hard to hear, but that's all a relationship is. We are using the other person to learn about us. It's not the way we've been taught. They are a mirror. And so when we're angry at them and frustrated, the solution is always to go, wait a minute, why do I want this in my life? What, what, this trauma, this feeling, what does it remind me of in childhood? How did I feel the exact same abandonment, the exact, oh my God, oh my God, they're perfect for me. Look at what they showed me about me. Now, the only time it works is if you have two people willing to do the work. Well, on this planet, the amount of people willing to face the stuff I talk about is pretty damn small. So most people are just having trauma relationships left and right, abusing the hell out of each other, not because they're bad, because they don't know about this. That's all. Now, here's the thing to recognize. I'm not a bad person. Neither are you. We are all born with pure light, pure greatness. And so was I. And so I've done a lot of horrific things. I've been the devil. Not because that's who I am. But how could I have been anything else 
with all the things I've been through and no one teaching me and showing me how to recover from it. I had to figure it out on my own. It could have been no other way. But look now, all the people that listen to me and follow me, you can see how sweet I am. You know it, like you feel it. You feel also at times, because I'm still perfectly imperfect, there are little moments, like in some of my videos, I'm like, oh, because sometimes I don't know what to say and I do these mannerisms, and so it's, to it's a total fraudulent move. Because I'm scared. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to say? And so I do a mannerism. It's like, oh, I wasn't present there. Like I'm still broken. But you can see, I love who I am. And the proof of it is how awful I am. I can share it with you. I can share all of it. can't tell you what a life experience it is to be so worthless inside, to feel so worthless, and to do so many horrific things to other people, and to be able to forgive yourself and go, you know, it's okay. And if they don't accept it, that's because if someone doesn't accept me, they're showing me their pain, right? Remember how judgment works? So someone watching this and says, I'm disgusting. They're talking to themselves. I mean, it's true. Look, I've done a lot of disgusting things. Like if someone wants to respond and call me disgusting, I'm like, yeah, I am. Did you hear what I just talked about? That's a lot of disgusting stuff. Where's the lie? But do you see the joy? See the joy? Like, I love to be called disgusting because it's true. Yeah, I've been disgusting. I'm perfectly imperfect. I did the best I could with what I knew at the time. But thank God I kept going. Thank God my greatest gift is my willingness to confront myself because it's led me to peace. And so I know when anything bad happens in my life, I immediately go, why did I want this? Why did I want to hurt myself this way? I set this up. And you see, when I can find it and I can own it, I can then forgive me, which then allows me to forgive you. I'm in peace. People who can't do that, who judge me, they're in jail, just like me. They're stuck in the perfect devil inside of them. And my heart breaks for that. I lived that, and it almost killed me. So, what's the solution? I don't mean to promote myself, but I've never seen anybody talk about what I talk about and give you the pathway out, the way to find your soul again. Nobody goes where I go. So I don't mean to promote my book, but your journey to success, it's you have to become an expert in your pain and learn to love your darkness. Because when you do, it gives birth to your light. And that's even a universal law. The light always comes after the darkness. And so you can never truly love somebody until you can see how darkened and broken you are do the recovery work and learn to love and forgive yourself. When you can accept the most deepest, most broken pieces of yourself and share it with somebody else and love yourself for your brokenness, you can't give what you don't possess. And I have yet to find
any other way to give love than to find love within you first. And so now that I have found the love inside of me, I'm available to love others. I won't pick women who will vanish on me. I will see it and I will turn away from it. I will pick somebody who's willing to join in that process and share the perfect imperfections. And so when they do try and turn away, we can talk about it. And when I try and turn away, both people can know it. Both people can share exactly why they're doing it. And they can forgive themselves. And that opens both sides up to truly loving one another. I hope you go on that journey. I know how scary it sounds. I can tell you, my clients and the people that have taken it, it is the most rewarding experience you will ever have in your life. More rewarding than finding the love of your life. There's nothing that compares to finding the love inside of yourself. Enjoy the journey.